Hey, what's up, guys? Hope that you had a wonderful weekend and are ready for a little TNC. This is the Neutral Corner Boxing Podcast, episode 356. I'm your host, Michael Montero. Uh, look, we're probably going to do a short show today. Um, not going to take calls. I just I got to get in and get out because I just got a ton of stuff going on. It's a little crazy right now. And we're not going to have a show for probably the next couple of weeks just because the schedule is dead, right? The schedule picks up uh, toward the end of September. So we're going to bring some shows back. And, and look, if, if some like major news item drops or something like that, then obviously I'll jump in and do a show, right? We'll, we'll jump in and do something and talk about it. But pretty much right now, it, it's kind of we're about to hit a dry spell in the schedule. We got a pretty stacked weekend of fights this weekend, particularly in the heavyweight division. We'll review all that, of course. I'm sorry, preview all that uh, on this show, of course. And then some news items to discuss. That's why I wanted to do a show today. But um, yeah, the first two, three weeks of, of September are kind of dry. The schedule is kind of dry. So I just honestly, guys, I got so much going on right now. It's just not worth it for me to do a show the next couple of weeks. So I just want to put that out there, let you guys know what's up. Um, make sure that you smash that like button. Make sure that you pay the fee, as I always remind you. Spread the word about the show. Share it on your social media. Pay that fee. Pay that fee. And uh, yeah, let's let's get into this, man. Uh, a few of you guys already on the chat. I love it. And uh, Gail, Gail at Falkenthal in the chat says, we threw Hillary out of town and we're here to smash it. Yeah, man. I it's, Gail's in San Diego, guys, for those of you who don't know. And uh, of course, they had Hurricane Hillary hit. And I saw the news this weekend with my wife and I'm like, a hurricane going to California? What the hell is going on? Uh, then I think I think in LA they had an earthquake today, so it's it's a little nutty right now in Cali. But Gail, the I lived out there for ten years in LA. I don't remember a single hurricane or tornado or anything like that coming through that area. So that had to feel kind of weird for you guys. That was very East Coast like weather that you got. Uh, but glad to hear that everybody's safe and. Um, Michael Mindiel in the chat. You guys know Mike is out there too. He says, happy Monday. Good news. We all didn't drown here in SoCal. Yeah, man. The uh, Some of the headlines were hilarious because it's like Hillary, or, uh, Hurricane Hillary barrels down in California. You know, experts fear the worst. And I'm like, damn, it sounds pretty serious. And then I turn on the weather channel that says that it's a category one storm. I'm like, that's like a, that's like a really long fart basically <laughs> a category one hurricane on the east coast people here are like ha yeah that's nothing uh, our thunderstorms here in atlanta are worse than that so yeah i'm glad to hear everybody didn't drown and you guys are good out there in killer cali uh miss you guys out in california i don't miss the craziness but i do miss my friends i met some wonderful people out there chad fletcher in the chat says getting rid of hillary just like 2016 <laughs> hell yeah Woo! that's hillary with two l's the storm was Hillary with one L. Did you guys notice that? That was done on purpose. Okay, to, to, to Chad's point, they, they knew what they were doing with that. That was slick. They thought they were fooling us. All right, guys, uh, let's get into this, man. Uh, my headphones, I feel like my headphones are going to fall off. News items. Um, and we got some stuff across the board here. But um, first, uh, an interesting fight that was just announced by Golden Boy Promotions, October 7th, Gilberto Zerto Ramirez versus Joe Smith Jr. Uh, both of these guys really, this is kind of a win or leave town type of matchup, right? It's going to be at cruiserweight. When you think of these guys, you think light heavyweight. Uh, but at this stage of their career, 
I think they just want to not worry about weight and they want to bulk up. These guys have the frame for it, particularly Ramirez. This will be a fun fight, man. And this is on DAZN. And boy, does DAZN need a matchup like this because they have been stir-fried shit for most of the year. They do have some interesting fights, though, in the second half of the year, including um, I think they got some good stuff coming up in September, I do believe. So so maybe I'm wrong about that. Maybe it's October. Anyway, I'm all over the place. But DAZN, yeah, they kind of need this matchup. I like that fight. You know, again, this isn't elite-level opposition at this point in their career. I understand but both of these guys, where they're at in their careers, it should be a good fight in terms of matchups. So um, Golden Boy needs that. DeZone needs that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, let's talk about Terrence Crawford real quick. I'm sure you guys have seen some of the clips on social media, on X and you know, on Instagram and all that. You've seen him on, what, The Breakfast Club uh, radio show. You've seen him on Joe Rogan, which is pretty much the biggest platform now in mass media. Crazy to think that, right? For anyone who's like, 30 and over when you think of like the biggest you know platforms in media you're thinking of like regular network tv or maybe cable network or cable news or something like that uh but now it's in in podcasting and joe rogan he does more ratings on one show than some of these premium networks do in an entire weekend combined you know i mean he does massive massive numbers so for terrence crawford to get on joe rogan was huge and i thought he did a fantastic job showed a little bit of his personality he's never going to be a huge huge personality um a, a guy that you know gets people talking one way or the other he's definitely not a polarizing type of figure like that um but he's just a regular dude he's just a good old regular dude from Omaha, Nebraska, that can whoop some ass, right? Uh, that's what he is. And um, he's starting to get to show a little bit of that personality and getting some shine and getting some love. And it's really, really refreshing and cool to see because he's earned it. He's earned it the, the old-fashioned way. He deserves it. And, um, yeah, it's good to see. I have to mention this because I saw, um, of course, the, the Colt uh, on, on X um, saying, you know, he didn't get no shine like this when he was with top rank. Of course, you know, they have to make it some sort, some sort of divisive political thing and going into all that. Now that he's a PBC fighter, he's getting, you know, Joe wrote <laughs> Joe Rogan. He's getting prime time, you know, media coverage. Just stop with all that shit. He's getting media coverage right now because he just had the biggest, biggest fight of his career and it was actually his greatest performance. It was his most dominant win against any top fighter he's faced. He had more trouble with guys like Avenesian and Cavaliauskas, okay, let alone like Sean Porter or Kel Brook. Literally, he had he this fight against Spence was his best performance. He was absolutely dominant, and he was on the biggest stage in his the biggest fight of his career. You look at any fighter over the last five years or so that came off a performance like that in a big fight, particularly a crossover fight like this, or when I say crossover, I mean promotionally. Even though uh, Bud wasn't with top rank anymore, he was a top rank crafted guy, and he was, he's an independent now. He's not a PBC fighter, by the way. That's, that's not true. I think they have options on his next fight, but I don't believe he's under contract with them, as I understand it. Anyway, um, when you see a guy coming off his best performance in a big showcase like that, a big showdown like that, he does the media tour, right? We've seen this. We George Cambosos did the media tour when he beat Tiafima Lopez, right? Uh, and it was 
international. So, so this is hardly unprecedented. But uh, so, so the people out there trying to make it some kind of Bob Arum versus PBC thing, just stop with that crap. Terrence Crawford is the best fighter in the world right now, pound for pound. Um, and he's coming off, again, the best performance in the biggest fight of his life. So he deserves this recognition, man. Good for him. Um, now, the, the hope is that he can take this momentum and roll it into uh, another big fight. He's probably not going to fight for the rest of this year, but I, I hope he's in the ring early next year. Um, and, you know, I really don't want to see the Spence rematch. That's probably what's going to happen, though. We're probably going to get the Spence rematch at 154. Fine. If that's the route they want to go, I kind of look at it like it's the third fight between Wilder and Fury. We really didn't need to see it. But that fight, because Fury was in such terrible shape, such terrible condition, it ended up being a lot of fun because Fury got dropped a couple of times and he fought really sloppy. Um, but it was still very one-sided, right, in the end. Um, I, I see another one-sided win for for – Crawford here, but I do think it'll be more competitive because I actually think um, I, I just I can't imagine Crawford's a human being. I know he looks like like he's not human because he's so special, but he's still a human being. And I have to think that riding this high, this emotional high and everything, he's just not going to be as sharp and as focused in the rematch as he was in that first fight. And so I do think it'll be a little more competitive, but obviously I favor Crawford. He beat Spence again. I just hope that fight is in January, February, somewhere in that time frame so that we get to see Crawford in there against a, a top-level fighter who will be competitive with him next summer or something. That, that's what I hope. All right, one other news item here. Alicia Baumgartner, who is, I believe, the undisputed junior lightweight women's champion in women's boxing, tested positive for two banned substances Mesterlone and methanolone. Uh, her last fight was last month, July 15th, in Detroit. Remember, she headlined a, I think it was a matchroom show on zone in Detroit. Apparently, um, matchroom, because a lot of people asked about this. Well, if, if she tested positive, why why did the fight continue? Well, matchroom wasn't made aware. Nobody was made aware of the of the positive tests, the the abnormal finding, as they call it, until August 12th. So that's why the fight still went ahead. And that's the thing with drug testing, guys. Um, if you're if you're collecting samples, you know, like a week or two before the fight, that's probably not going to come back until after the fight, because there's just a process involved. And there's a verification process when you do find an abnormal finding um, that you have to go through before you report anything. There's a lot of litigation it's possible, you know, these, these labs got to make sure that their finding is legitimate and it, it's a process. There's red tape involved. So a lot of times it can take up to a month. And I know in theory, it's, it's like, what the hell? Like, why, why would it take that long? It doesn't make any sense. Um, all I can tell you is from the work that I've done on this subject. And I really, really dove into this subject in the middle to late 2010s. You guys remember if you've been with me that long, you remember all my extensive reporting on this stuff. And I've talked to dozens of experts. I've talked to people that run some of these labs. There's really only two labs that actually conduct the testing. And I've talked to the, the head of one of them here in America directly. Um, I've driven to Vegas to meet with people, officers at certain testing um, programs and met with them at their house and, and had 
hours long conversations with them. I've, I've really dove into this subject. Um, so people asking me, you know, what are my thoughts on this? Um, at least above I should mention, um, before I go any further, Matchroom did put out a statement saying, Hey, there, there was this positive test. We were made aware on August 12th. We're going to kind of go silent right now while an investigation is underway and we'll address this in the future. I thought that was a perfect response from Matchroom. Didn't really need to do anything more. Alicia Bumgarner has responded and she's gotten a little snippy on social media. Uh, but she said, and I quote, two substances that I've never heard or used in any way. That was a response to the two drugs that she tested positive for. She basically said, like, I've never heard of these drugs. I've never used them. So she flat out denies uh, the, the, the validity of the, of the test results. And it was, uh, I'm trying to think who did the testing. It wasn't Vada or Usada. It was this other, uh, I can't think of the name. One of you guys will get me in the chat. I know. Um, here's my thing with the performance enhancing drugs testing stuff. I've talked about this a little bit before. Um I really, as, as I mentioned, and Timmy in the chat, Timmy Turner said, uh, you know, I, I remember you wrote an extensive article about this testing subject. Yes, sir. Uh, I did several pieces for uh, Ring Magazine. I did a lot of radio shows on this, um, went on different podcasts. And I wrote a lot of articles on it, but I found that um, some people just didn't want to read that material because it's it's really granular. When you start getting into picograms and, you know, trillions per part and things like that. It, it's difficult to read for a lot of people, or it's just boring. They just don't want to read it. So I started talking about it more, going on shows, and, and I've done a lot of uh, national sports radio shows and interviews and stuff where I talked about this stuff extensively, long-form discussions on podcasts, and I felt I could reach people better that way uh, with this subject matter. Sometimes it's a little easier just to talk about it out loud. Anyway, um, I really, really dove into this subject, okay? for several years. And I kind of became known loosely as the, the new drugs testing reporting guy, uh, because there were people that came before me that Gabriel Montoya, I think really did some really groundbreaking work originally. Um, and he really, really dove into this subject in the boxing community more than anybody had before him. And, um, th there were other guys that, 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 you know, talked about it, uh, extensively, and I wasn't trying to be those guys. I just found the subject matter interesting because once you peel back that curtain and really, really learn the subject, you really learn the material, you see the massive gaps in the process and the massive issues. And so I dove in, man, because my mind, you know, um, I, I'm, I'm a skeptic at heart. I, I question everything, especially anything that I consider to represent the establishment. In boxing, of course, that's the promotions, that's the networks, that's the sanctioning organizations. And in very few cases, it's the fighters themselves. When you get to the point that Floyd Mayweather and Manny Pacquiao were, they were the establishment. The, the, the point where Canelo Alvarez is now and the point where Gervonta Davis is approaching, they are the establishment. So you can get to a point where the fighter themselves is part of the establishment. Anyway, I always question authority and particularly anything that represents the establishment, right? So I started really looking into this subject and I re reported on it as honestly and accurately as I could. And let me tell you guys, for a while, it really built my profile in the sport, in, in the media. 
Um, but it very, very quickly got me um, in the crosshairs. Okay. And there were certain people, particularly at certain platforms that have major liabilities with their lack of drug testing protocol that put me on their shit list, their hit list. And they came after me hard. They couldn't get me on any of my boxing takes. They couldn't get me on anything I was saying about performance enhancing drugs and other issues uh, in the sport. So they went after me with personal attacks. Right. And I got to the point where, you know, I just like I've, I've mentioned in recent weeks, I kind of unplugged from it. I'll say this. Um, there is way more misinformation than there is information out there as it relates to this subject. There is a lot of ignorance, particularly in the boxing media, the boxing press, uh, the fans, of course, you know, everyone acts like they're an expert on this subject. And there really are some people who are very well versed on it. Um, but the way that it's run in the sport is uh, something that is very convoluted, like anything else in the sport, right? It's extremely complex and multi-layered. It should be streamlined. It, it should be easy to understand and explain. It's not. So just explaining the clean boxing program to people and what that is versus Olympic style drug testing and, and such, um, you know, I stopped doing it. I just, I got to a point where I just stopped diving in hundred percent on this issue and pulled out of it. Is Alicia Bumgarner dirty? Did she take these drugs knowingly? I have absolutely no freaking way of knowing that. I can't answer that question, guys. What I can tell you is um, these particular banned substances do not appear naturally in your system, in food, things like that. Uh, one's an anabolic that's used to um, for, for men who have like low testosterone. It's used for that, but a low fertility. Um, and it's it's been around forever. It, I, I want to say since like the 70s or something. And a lot of bodybuilders have used it traditionally for different uh, reasons. Um, so. Here's the thing. Perhaps, perhaps there was microdosing going on. Perhaps she was knowingly, and by the way, it's pill form, right? Um, so perhaps she's popping pills. Perhaps somebody in her team is like, hey, you're feeling sore. Take this, take this. It'll help you feel better. Who knows, dude? I don't know. I wasn't there. There's also the possibility that um, you could buy a supplement produced in a lab that's shitty. It doesn't clean their beakers and, 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 um, equipment off very well and they're producing illegal shit like that but they're also producing a legal supplement too a, a fully legal one but there are uh remnants of the banned substance still in the beakers and the equipment that they're using to process the pills or whatever they're you know whatever supplement it is powder or whatever um that's legal so sometimes if you, you can get stuff from a contaminated lab sometimes you're taking some banned diuretic or something that has and that half-life's out of your system very very quickly it's hard to detect but there's traces of some other drug in there that you didn't even intend to take because you're getting this from an undergrad lab that doesn't clean their shit very well so there's all kinds of scary stuff out there when it comes to this drug testing stuff and then i'll let this go i'll move on because i don't want to bore the shit out of some of you you can extrapolate all the nonsense and, and, and all the misinformation, you get down to one simple question. Do you guys 
believe in strict liability or do you not? Strict liability is essentially saying that you as an individual are held responsible for your actions regardless of your intent at the time of said action. So if I consume Mexican beef while I'm training for a professional prize fight and that Mexican beef has clenbuterol in it, certain levels that are over the threshold and it's a banned substance and I am um, I test dirty, am I responsible? Or because I didn't mean to do it, am I not responsible? That's the question you guys out there as fans have to answer. Because you either believe in strict liability or you don't. It is almost impossible in the court of law to prove intent because you can't get in someone's brain and understand what their intent was. You can only really speculate about intention unless you have um, a smoking gun you know, type of evidence where you have video of somebody literally injecting, you know, whatever material into their body or taking the pill or whatever it is, um, short of that, you're speculating, right? So you either believe in strict liability or you don't. And in this particular case, if you're a strict liability person, then it doesn't matter if Alicia Bumgarner meant to do this or not. These drugs were in her system. So if they if they can validate that there was no contamination in the lab or anything where the test was performed, which I highly doubt there was. Uh, and then the chain of custody of the sample wasn't broken and they can trace, you know, um, who had the sample as it went from the place they collected it, let's say at the gym, all the way to the lab where it was processed. If they can prove that chain of custody, it wasn't broken, no possible contamination. Well, you got these two drugs in your system. Who knows how they got there if you didn't mean to do it or not, but you're a professional athlete. You are responsible for everything that goes in your body. So you either believe in that or you don't. If you don't, well, then you're going to continue to getting Mexican beef excuses, wild boar excuses. Uh, with Conor Ben, it was eggs, right? Who was who the fighter? It was a female fighter where it was, um, I, I, it was an insane excuse she gave. I think it was, was it Callie Reese? I can't remember. Some of these excuses have been insane, right, over the years. You're going to get more of that stuff unless we go with the strict liability thing. So that's up to you guys to decide in the boxing establishment. I'm at a point where I just honestly don't give a shit. I just don't. I, I, is that bad? Sorry if that's bad. I just don't care. Super chat from BK Ron. Thank you so much. BK Ron 1993. Thank you very much. He says, glad to finally catch a live show. MOB always for the win. I appreciate that. I appreciate that very, very much. Thank you so much. All right, real quick, guys. Let's get into Hannah Gabriels. That was, okay. I knew one of you guys would get me. 86 boxing in the chat. Hannah Gabriels mentioned dog mucus. Yeah, that's crazy, right? I mean, that's just dog mucus. So you, you guys, you're going to get more and more of these crazy outlandish like explanations unless we go with the strict liability thing. I will say this, you know, I'm an athlete. I'm still training and, and, and performing and living as a, as a competitive athlete, at least for a little while longer. I'm getting at the end of that rope, but at least for a little while longer. And I don't take supplements because I do not want to risk potentially something like this happening. The, the only thing that I take is protein powder. 
and I pay a lot of money for my powder. You can get protein powder that's cheap as hell, right? And I've done that in the past. And it gave me an upset stomach. It made me feel like crap. I pay a lot for the powder I have. It's processed in a, um, a very, very clean lab here in the United States that I trust. I trust the people working there. Um, I know the people at this company and I pay a lot of money for it. It's worth it to me. So when I lift weights, when I do things like that and I need protein, boom, I drink the protein powder. That's it. That's the only supplement I take. And um, that way I know, and I'm not driving down to Mexico or flying down to Mexico and eating beef down there. I'm not, you know, I'm very, very, very careful about what I put into my body um, because I don't want anything screwing up all of my hard work, right? And I'm just a weekend warrior wannabe doing this shit for fun on the side. So um, that's my advice to you guys out there. Don't mess with this crap. Uh, I, I see guys at the gym taking um, that pre-workout stuff and, and like, um, uh, what is, what is it? stimulants to give them energy and stuff when they spar, when they're on the bags, this, that, the other. Man, I, I tried pre-workout once at my cousin's house. We were going to do some deadlifting. He has a, a garage gym that he built right? It's awesome too. It's, I love when I visit my cousin because his whole garage, he built this awesome gym and it's a big, like three car garage. Anyway, um, he was like, drink this pre-workout. Cause I was tired. I was hung over. You know, it was like the holidays we had been drinking the night before. I'm like, all right, shit, let me try this dude. I thought my heart was going to fly out of my chest. <laughs> I thought I was going to have a fucking stroke. I hated it. I couldn't lift. Well, I, I tried to do some deadlifts. I thought I was going to throw up. Couldn't do it. And that was it. That was the first and, and, and last time I took pre-workout. I don't know what the hell was in that crap, but I, ugh, it was awful. Don't do it, guys. It's just because it, here's the thing. I talk to a lot of guys because I, I argue with some guys at the gym. There's guys at my gym that are in their 20s doing this shit. And I'm like, dude, what happens when you're my age, when you're 44? If you got to do this kind of stuff now, you're 25, dude. You're you're 25. You need extra help. You're 25. But these guys would be like, oh, I could push myself harder in the gym if I do this and do that. I'm like, yeah, but on fight night, you can't take that shit. You're going to have to fight natural. So if you've been training, taking this stimulant every day, drinking a bunch of caffeine, all this stuff right before you go to the gym, you can't do that right before a fight. So shouldn't you train the way you're going to have to fight that that's my philosophy anyway i could do a whole show on that all right guys let's um let's do the preview this saturday august 26 we'll do this preview and then i'll bounce out here for those of you just getting on uh, i'm doing i'm doing a short show today because uh, i'm just busy i got a lot going on uh, i just wanted to come in and cover these news items and preview we got a bunch of fights this weekend not going to do a show probably for the next two weeks after this, okay? Because there's just nothing going on. So we're going to take a little hiatus. If some major bombshell story drops, we'll come on and do a show to talk about it, all right? Just want to put that out there again for those of you just getting on. All right, uh, this Saturday, August tw 26, we have a few different cards. Let's start over in Poland. Wroclaw, I think is how you pronounce this. Wroclaw, Poland. And this will be on ESPN Plus here in the United States. Main event should start around 5 p.m. Eastern time from what I'm hearing this Saturday. Alexander Usyk 
going up against mandatory challenger Daniel Dubois. I think this is mandatory for his WBA belt, but don't quote me, but I think it's WBA. I think Dubois is one of their 4,000 titles at uh, heavyweight. Of course, Usyk has the real one. The rest are bullshit. Usyk, 20-0. and 0. Um, You know, guys, here's the thing about Alexander Usyk. So, look, I'm really interested in this fight. I'm interested anytime Usyk fights at heavyweight because I've mentioned this before. The jump from cruiserweight to heavyweight in this era of boxing, I'm talking 2010s, 2020s, it is the hardest jump to make in the sport. Not even close. No other jump in weight comes close to it. Light heavyweight to cruiserweight is the second hardest. You guys got to remember, most of these divisions are separated. I mean, if you go way down, they're separated by two, three pounds. But even with the bigger guys, it's six, seven pounds that separate these divisions. And then you get to cruiserweight, and it's a 25-pound span. And then heavyweight is 200 and up. <laughs> and these heavyweights now, the average 2020s heavyweight, top-level heavyweight, 240, 250, 6'4", 6'5", 6'6". I mean, these are big, big dudes, right? 6'7", six, 6'8", six, some of these guys. So Alexander Usyk is a guy that fought, I want to say, as like a super middleweight at one point when he was first going in the amateurs. Um, and then moves up to heavyweight in 2019. And everyone's looking at this fight because Dubois had that KO loss to Joe Joyce in 2020. He, um, he's got what, I think four wins since then. Uh, I think they're all stoppage wins too, but against, you know, lower tier opposition. But a lot of people remember that fight and they're thinking, oh man, this is going to be easy work for Usyk. He's just going to beat down. Uh, Danny Dubois, this is a three, four round knockout. Guys, I don't see that. I think this is going to be a tough fight for Usyk. It's obviously there's a massive skills gap here. Uh, athleticism, boxing skills, experience, all that favors Usyk. I get it. But Joe Joyce broke Danny Dubois' face and he, he physically broke him down. Joe Joyce is a huge man. And he was able to do this with his size, his power. And it was kind of a freak thing. I think it was Dubois' eye busted up. It was kind of a freak thing. Dubois also has had, uh, what what fight was it recently where he was dropped a couple times? Like he looked really bad, even though he won it. I can't remember which fight that was. One of you guys can remind me. But he's looked shaky, okay? And look, if Usyk wins a third, fourth round knockout, I'll be really impressed. Because size matters in this game. Now, I fully expect Usyk to outbox Dubois. And I think that he'll outbox him and you know possibly stop him late. But it would not surprise me at all if this fight went the distance or if it at least went 10, 11 rounds or something like that and it was an accumulation type of stoppage. Do I see a one-punch knockout like Usyk did to Tony Bellew or something? Absolutely not. I, I just don't see that. Now, look, if I'm wrong, I'll admit it. I'll eat my crow. Uh, I'm not favoring Dubois to win. I'm not saying that. but. Um, it's the heavyweight division. Dubois is a very large, powerful, explosive man. Uh, and he's athletic. You know, he does have some athleticism to him. So would it shock me if he puts some leather on Usyk and hurts him, maybe even drops him or something? Absolutely not. Wouldn't shock me at all. Do I expect that? Not necessarily. I'm not saying I expect that. I'm just saying it wouldn't shock me. Guys, heavyweight boxing is almost a different sport from the rest of the divisions. It truly is. 
Heavyweight boxing is complete. It's almost a different sport. If you look at the way natural heavyweights fight, almost a different sport. And Usyk moved up to heavyweight in 2019. He This will only be his fifth heavyweight fight. Think about that. He has had one fight a year since moving up to heavyweight. Once in 2019, 20, 21, 22, and this will be his first and only fight of 2023, probably. So five fights in five years. I talk a lot about inactivity and that being a major problem. Usyk has had inactivity problems as a heavyweight. And so far, it hasn't cost him, but it will. It's going to cost him at some point. Is this the night? I'm not necessarily saying it is. I'm just saying. Heavyweight division, anything can happen. Just putting that out there. For those of you who think, oh, I'm not going to watch this fight. It's not even worth watching. It's a complete whitewash for Usyk. I don't think so. If there's any fight that you're going to watch this weekend, to me, this is it. Honestly, I think it's going to be the best heavyweight matchup of the weekend. Um, that's just the way I see it. And again, it's just a gut feel thing. And, and like my experiences in the sport and, and what I've seen and what I know, it's just how I feel about this one. I I've obviously favor Usyk, but it's potentially going to go the distance. He wins a decision or a late stoppage, maybe something like that. But I, this is a, uh, much, much bigger, stronger, younger, fresher guy who has been more active than Usyk in recent years. And part of Usyk's inactivity has been injury uh, issues. He has had injury issues at heavyweight because he's bulking up to fight at an unnatural weight. And then like he wasted his time waiting around for Tyson Fury this year, who's not even going to fight. Fury's fighting a novice. I don't care about that. Like, as far as I'm concerned, Tyson Fury is retired as a boxer at this point. So anyway, that's the way I see that one, guys. Now, here in the United States, in Tulsa, Oklahoma, uh, ESPN has uh, a card featuring several heavyweights. So ESPN has a, has a good weekend or a good Saturday of fights. You get the, the on ESPN Plus, you get the show in Poland, which I think will just be the main event. And then on ESPN and ESPN Plus, you, you get the American card. Uh, in the main event, Jared Anderson, 15-0, the Toledo, Ohio native, going up against Ukrainian Andre Rudenko, who has good experience against some top-level heavyweights, but he's lost every single time he has stepped up. So perfect matchmaking here by top rank. This is a guy that's been in there with some top-level heavyweights, always comes up short against those guys, will have enough experience, I think, to give Anderson some things to think about. But ultimately, I like Anderson to close the show in this fight uh, and get up maybe uh, mid to late rounds stoppage. Also on this card, F.A. Ajagba, 17-1, and one, the Nigerian native who now fights and trains uh, out of uh, Texas, USA, going up against uh, Kazakh fighter Zan, oh boy, <laughs> uh, Zan Kosobutsky. Zan Kosobutsky. Okay, that wasn't that hard. Who is 19-0, but has a really poor resume. If you look at this guy's resume and who he has fought, Jagba's resume is better. So this will be an interesting one. Um, it's, you know, you think of a Kazakh fighter and, and their background and everything, and you think, man, this dude's going to be tough. But I just look at that resume. This is a step up for him. Definitely a step up for the Kazakh fighter. And then also on this card, Uzbekistan native, uh, Bakhodir Jalalov, 12-0, and 0, um, who really seems to, a lot of people feel he's going to be the next big guy in the division. It's between Jalalov and Anderson. 
Anderson's the top American heavyweight prospect. Jalilov, the top um, international heavyweight prospect, if you will, going up, going up against a Nigerian fighter. Whoa, I can't. How do I say this name? <laughs> ono Riode. Ono Riode, I think, is the first name. Awarame. I think I got that right. Eight rounds. All right, so that's that card. So look, you get some interesting heavyweight action with some young heavyweights. This is smart by top rank because maybe down the line we see a Jagba. Should he be successful against Kosobutsky? He gets in there against Anderson. If Kosobutsky pulls it off, maybe it's Anderson and Kosobutsky. At some point, though, the big showdown at heavyweight with this new class coming up is going to be between Anderson and Jalilov. That's going to be the one, right? So why not get people talking about it now? Put them on the same card. Smart. It's like these guys have done this before or something. Also in San Juan, Puerto Rico, Oscar uh, Collazzo, oh, Collazzo going up against uh, Garen Diegan out of the Philippines. First defense of Collazzo's WBO strawweight title and his third fight of 2023. I mentioned the lull in the... Um, in the schedule after this weekend, the next big fights are coming up in late September. We There's a couple of interesting you know, mid-level type of matchups that diehard boxing fans will enjoy in the middle of September. But really, the meat is toward the end of the month. And then going into October, we got some stuff that is going to be interesting. Um, but September 23rd in London on ESPN+. Plus. The rematch between Zhang and Joyce, that should be a lot of fun, man. First fight was great. The, the fact that they're going to fight twice within a year is pretty awesome. Uh, ESPN Plus having a sneaky good like summer here. They, they've had some, they're picking up little shows like this. I mean, they're giving you Usyk Dubois. They're giving you Zhang Joyce. Like They're giving you the heavyweights I talked about, like Jared Anderson and Jalalov. Like they're having a sneaky good, summer of these these aren't blockbusters they're putting on but these are interesting fights that have impact they're not just straight up showcase fights so um some good stuff from espn plus and then uh canelo alvarez obviously uh defending his titles september 30th against jermel charlo that's in las vegas and of course showtime is putting that on pay-per-view um so that's the first fight of canelo's recent three fight uh, deal with PBC where he's going to fight three of their guys and make over a hundred million dollars with them. And then probably go sign on with another promoter after that uh, for a few fights. And, and I mean, it's what he did with Matchroom. He's been with golden boy. He's been with every, he's going to sign with everybody at some point, who knows, maybe he ends up doing a top rank run at the end of his career. I don't know. But um, that fight obviously is a big fight because of the Canelo name. And then with Jamel, Jamel Charlo, um, It'll just be an interesting fight because of the styles. So that's coming up later in September. But the beginning, middle of September, you know, it's like back to school time. It's the tail end of summer going into the fall. Um, the schedule is just kind of dead right now. That's just where we're at. <clears throat> All right. Super chat from Trent Nonpareil. Thank you so much. Says, been watching Mitrofanov since 2014. He's been froze out. Fighting a killer at Hamza Shiraz. His first big name opponent, Ergashev or Matthias, Mike? Wow. Um, yeah, that, so Ergashev and Matthias, that's a tough one. That's a tough one. I want to take Ergashev because of his boxing ability. Um, I'm going to go with Ergashev in that fight. 
I'm going to take him. Um, Mitrofanov. I don't know who the hell that is. I have to admit. So I'm going to have to Google that real quick. Unless you're, unless that's a typo I'm looking at. Let's see. No, it's not. Dimitro Mitromanov, who, let's see, competed in the 2016 Olympics. He's 33 years old from Ukraine. He is, he's only got five, what, six fights as a professional from what I'm looking at here. So, yeah, I don't know, dude. I don't know much about this guy, I got to say. Anyway, thanks for the super chats. All right, what else here? Do I miss anything or are we good? I'm sorry to do such a quick show today, guys. But like I said, we just got a lot going on. <clears throat> Michael Mendiola says, I personally cannot believe Joet is getting another shot. Yeah, is that September 15th, I think? Is that the September 15th show, Mike? Luis Garibay, Luis Garibay says uh, September 15th, Alberto Lopez versus Joey Gonzalez. And yeah, that's an interesting fight, Luis. It is. Um, I don't know if it's worth me doing a whole show around just that fight, but I'll probably do a show the week after the Monday after that fight. Um, and we'll review it obviously, because that's a good matchup. And, and I saw that in the calendar and I thought, you know, in the next few weeks after this weekend, that's the best fight on the schedule. But, um, after that, um, I'll come back after that. We'll review it, and then we'll preview what else is going on. Okay, guys, I think that's it. That's the show for today. I appreciate you guys listening to me rant and, uh, rant and rave here for about 40 minutes or so. I hope you guys have a great week. I, again, unless there's some groundbreaking news or something, uh, we're not going to have a show for a couple weeks. But um, we're taking you know, a little hiatus here while the schedule's dead. But we'll be back, and we have a lot to discuss going into the fall. All right, guys? So enjoy the next couple of weeks, and uh, we'll do it again real soon. Peace.